The following sermon was delivered by guest preacher Reverend Dr. Laura Mendenhall in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here is Reverend Mendenhall. Suffice it to say, I have loved being with you. Thank you for having me. Before we get started today, I want to be clear about exactly which Ananias we're going to look at. In the book of the Acts of the Apostles, there are stories of three different Ananias characters. The first in chapters four and five tells the story of Ananias, the husband of Sapphira. They were members of the Jerusalem church and along with others, they had pledged to sell their property and give the proceeds to the church. Scripture says there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. However, Ananias and Sapphira decided to keep a portion of the sale for themselves. Ananias was first to make his offering, proudly announcing that this was the sum of the sale of his land. Peter, however, must have noticed that Ananias had his fingers crossed behind his back, called him on it, and startlingly, Ananias fell to the ground dead. Was it overwhelming shame? I don't know. Well, Sapphira must have been chatting with her girlfriends because she didn't see this. So when it was her turn to bring her offering, she laid down the sum of money and also declared that it was everything she had promised. Her lie was also called out and she fell to the ground dead. They lied to God and to the church. It's a great story, one you might want to use another time or not, but... This is not the Ananias for today. We're telling stories about how God uses regular, ordinary folks, and ordinary folks don't usually lie about their gifts to the church. There are two other Ananiases in the book of Acts. One is Ananias the high priest. And this story comes along later in chapter 23 when Paul was telling the community about the role Ananias from Damascus played in his conversion. Ananias, the, the high priest, who was apparently the jealous type, heard this story and had Paul struck on the mouth, boom, for telling of his conversion through Ananias of Damascus. On multiple occasions, Ananias, the high priest, tried to kill Paul. Again, it's an interesting story, but not the Ananias for today. We're telling stories about how God used ordinary folks like us to reveal God's extraordinary love. And today, Ananias of Damascus is the one we will talk about. And he was so ordinary that even his name was ordinary. These are stories about how God used ordinary folks like us to reveal God's extraordinary love. In the reading from the good book today, we'll hear the story of Paul, who would surely be one of the MVPs of the New Testament. 
It's Paul who started so many Christian churches all over the Roman Empire. It's Paul who wrote so many letters that ended up in the New Testament, letters to those churches or to friends in the churches. We'd have a pretty skimpy New Testament were it not for Paul's writings. Certainly we have a much fuller understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus because of Paul's writings. Paul is not one of the ordinary folks we've been talking about. The name Paul's parents gave to him was Saul. They also gave him Roman citizenship and moved to Jerusalem that he might receive an excellent education. Here he became part of the movements to, rid Jesus, to, uh, to be rid of Jesus' disciples. Scripture says the executioners laid garments at Saul's feet when they went about the stoning of Jesus' disciple Stephen. The Christians feared Saul because he was part of a group regularly pulling Christians from their home and putting them in prison. And this is where the story picks up today. As we turn to God's word, I invite you to pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth and open our minds to your spirit that we may hear what you say to us as we seek to serve you faithfully through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear God's word to us today from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and go to the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but they saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he answered, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, 
Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord, of the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is Saul's conversion, and in my eyes, it is not ordinary. Few of us experience a light that knocks us to the ground, nor do many of us hear Jesus speaking directly to us. Those traveling with Saul heard the voice, but saw no one. When Saul got up, though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. His companions had to lead him by hand to town. And while it's different for everyone, this is not what usually happens at conversion. Yet this is where the story becomes more like something we might experience. Saul could not discern the call from God on his own. It was not until the disciple Ananias came to him that Saul's eyes were opened and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the scene that you see on your bulletin cover, Ananias assisting Saul. Notice this conversion did not happen to Saul on the road to Damascus with the light and the voice. It did not happen in Damascus where for three days he could neither see nor eat nor drink. No. This did not happen until Ananias came to him. Only then did Saul regain his sight and ask for baptism and something to eat. Saul needed an assist, you know, like in basketball or soccer or baseball or hockey, when a player passes the ball to a teammate in a way that leads that teammate to scoring. Lots of players give an assist, and then somebody makes a score, and that person gets the applause. Ananias gave an assist by going to pray with someone who was in a mess, and Saul scored. Saul began to use his Roman name Paul on his first missionary journey to Cyprus, wanting his message to have a wider hearing, and it did as he converted a high-ranking Gentile and many, many others. Ananias made an assist, and that assist made all the difference in the world. Yet Ananias was so ordinary, I had to clarify for you which Ananias we are talking about here. And so I've wondered, what if Ananias had not gone to him? What if Ananias decided that it was really none of his business what Saul thought he heard from God? What if Ananias had let his own legitimate fears and concerns about Saul keep him from believing that God could ever use one such as this as a leader for the disciples of Jesus Christ? Had Ananias not gone to him, 
I imagine Saul could have spent the rest of his life stumbling around town blind, telling everybody he happened to bump into about the great light he'd seen on the road and the voice calling to him, but never understanding his call to become a leader of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Never stepping out to start new churches among Gentiles as well as Jews. Without Ananias' assist to help Paul discern his call, we would not have the New Testament letters that continue to point us to Jesus Christ. Paul was called by God, but he could not discern that call without the help of an ordinary player who gave an assist. Down through history, there's never been another like Paul. There have been other leaders in the church, other missionaries with amazing stories of sharing the gospel around the world, other preachers who've touched our hearts, other writers who've left us with volumes of direction for living our lives as disciples of the way. But Paul's story is dramatic and unrepeatable. We give thanks for the assist that Paul received from Ananias of Damascus. So, I think about how many other people may have been called by God to offer their gifts, but haven't been willing to make such an offering because you and I haven't offered them an assist, because we hesitate to take a risk on them, because we do not think of them as worthy, because we do not trust their motives or their personal history. How many people are there out there right now waiting for someone to offer them an assist that they might offer their lives to God in the places where they live. I don't know, but I cannot imagine that God has stopped calling us. What I can imagine is that God may now be calling some Ananias to offer them an assist and open their eyes. The Reformed tradition, which is what we're sort of a part of, has always taught that both the inward testimony of the Holy Spirit and the affirmation of God's people are essential to discerning a call from God. John Calvin, one of our Presbyterian ancestors, placed emphasis on the public rather than the private inward call, because sometimes it takes a voice from outside to call our attention to that inner voice and give us the courage to believe that inner voice. The church has always looked to ordinary folks like Ananias to help us identify God's call to us to step up. I cannot believe that God has left us leaderless in this time, because we surely need a variety of leaders today, a wide variety of all kinds of volunteers. The fire in Maui this week is surely a call for many of us who will seek to give an assist in whatever way we can. And when God's people cry out for help, God calls us. You remember the story from the book of Exodus where God called Moses out of a burning bush to lead the people out of slavery and Moses hesitates. 
oh my Lord, please send somebody else. And the Lord gave Moses an assist in Aaron who would speak for him. God called Moses, a refugee from the law, a stutterer who was terrified of speaking before others, a whiny, excuse-giving, fickle sort of guy, and God empowered the shepherd Moses to be a truly magnificent leader for God's people. God empowered Moses by giving him a colleague, an assist, so that he would not have to go by himself. And with the assist of Aaron, Moses set about to free God's people from slavery. Score. Just like an MVP. Could Moses have done the job by himself without the help of Aaron? Well, I don't know, but certainly Moses didn't think so. Would Moses have even tried without the support of Aaron? I seriously doubt it. But the reality is that Moses never had to do the job by himself. God's call to us is to shared leadership. Not only does God give us people to help us discern our call, God doesn't do, expect us to do the work on our own. God knows we're usually not our best by ourselves. Therefore, God promises not to leave us and gives us others who will assist that we might do God's bidding together. As we've heard these past few weeks, the Bible is full of stories of God calling folks like us into acts of redeeming love. Folks like Hagar, who felt like she didn't belong. Like Peter the Rock, who was sometimes nothing more than a rockhead. Like the nameless woman, who we still remember. Like the folks who carried the paralytic to Jesus. And today we're reminded of those who have given an assist along the way. I know and give thanks that I have been the recipient of those who offer and assist. People who called forth gifts that I didn't even know I had. Reminding me of God's presence with me, urging me on. Perhaps you have had folks in your life who have offered an assist to you, encouraging you, giving you a chance. And perhaps you have been called upon to be an Ananias or an Aaron for one another, to give an assist that we might all use our gifts in sharing the power of God's redemptive love. I can tell you that for me, being an Ananias for somebody else is one of my greatest delights. Of course, giving an assist is not usually as easy as just calling somebody up on the phone and asking them to do a job. In order for people to be willing to take on the myriad of tasks necessary to keep up with what God is doing here, folks may need an assist from an Ananias or an Aaron. While we all need encouragement to help us identify our gifts, we must be willing to try out something new without folks being too quick to be critical, particularly if we make an effort to reach out to people no one has touched before and go about it 
all the wrong way. We all need a congregation who will not become discouraged with failure, but will encourage a second try, a different approach, offering an assist along the way, tolerating our questions, willing to take risk for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may need an Ananias who will pray with us and for us, and we may need an Aaron who will go along beside us as we offer ourselves to the work of Christ's redemptive love. I do not believe Paul would ever have made it out of Damascus were it not for Ananias. And I do not believe that Moses would have ever left the sheep were it not for the support of Aaron. I do not believe that many of us today would have the courage to step up and offer ourselves were it not for the assist from someone who would help us identify our gifts and encourage us along the way, no matter how ordinary we imagine those gifts to be. You know, I could just have easily called these stories from the last five weeks instead of stories of ordinary people. I could have called them stories of the saints of God. But I was afraid you might shy away from that title saints, as I imagined you were people of humility. I think I was right about the humility, but I hope that you can celebrate how God does not need anything more from you other than our willingness to extend extraordinary love in order to accomplish miracles today. You got that? God doesn't need anything more of you other than unwillingness to extend ordinary love in order to accomplish miracles. I know this is exactly who you are. It only took me five weeks. I figured it out. Therefore, let us invite one another into a deeper understanding of our life as an offering to God, that all might know the extraordinary redeeming love we know in Jesus Christ. May God continue to call forth your gifts, and may God use you to call forth others' gifts, that Christ's kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so. Amen. Beloved, I charge you to keep up with what God is doing here by living a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace this day and for eternity. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.